In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. Don't judge, don't condemn. Forgive. This is one of those passages that the world has used against us as Christians. Ah, 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 you are not the judge. Jesus says, judge not, lest ye be judged. Condemn not, lest ye be condemned. But in the same sense, Scripture turns around and tells us as Christians, as 2 Timothy says, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. He also says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Matthew 18, another famous passage people like to use, also says, if a brother sins against you, go and show him the error of his ways. So what is it? What are we to do? Do we judge and condemn or not? We live in a very chaotic time. We're deeply divided. We have so many different views about our culture, and we have so many wars going on around politics. People are suffering economic hardships. Businesses are longing for people to employ, but lots of people are not taking up jobs. There are those who stand on the right and those who stand on the left. And you and I, in the midst of all of this chaos, are urged to take a side, take a stand, make a judgment. What do you think is right and what do you think is wrong? And if that wasn't bad enough, as we go out as a body of Christ, as we go out as Christian brothers and sisters into our world, as we go out with the way, the truth, and the life that is found in Jesus Christ alone, people will use the scriptures against us, like we heard today from Luke chapter 6. Those outside of the church will point to this passage today whenever we talk about anything and say, you're not to judge and you're not to condemn. If that wasn't bad enough, us as clergy can use this passage as a weapon. We hear from John's Gospel the words of Jesus to his disciples. Peace be with you. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven in heaven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained in heaven. The office of the keys is given to the church to forgive and to retain sins. And that key is given to the pastors. And yet pastors have abused this office, looking for ways to judge the sheep, rather than pointing the sheep to God's mercy, His forgiveness, and the medicine of immortality. This is a big problem for us. We as Christians think nothing of judging or condemning people's actions as some sort of way of defending our biblical teachings. The large part of the judging is the standard by which we judge. We judge each other sitting in this place. We judge others from outside of this place as you're standing in the grocery store or sitting in a restaurant or sitting in traffic when somebody cuts you off and you become enraged. We look at others around us and it is only natural for us to stand as God before others. 
Joseph's brothers that we heard of in the Old Testament today had done a lot against Joseph. Basically, they sold him into slavery. They left him for dead. And you'll notice as they come groveling before Joseph today, Joseph looks at them and says, Am I God? Am I the one who was personally left and abandoned by you? Yes. Am I the one that was sold into slavery? Yes. Am I the one that was put into prison? Yes. Am I the one now who's given charge over the famine that's in all the land and area? Yes. Do you need my help? Yes. How would you respond? How would I respond? Go suffer. Go live in the bed that you made for yourself. Go starve. Look at what you did to me. How dare you? When we turn that way towards others, you are playing God. And do not be deceived. According to Galatians, God is not to be mocked. We know this passage. So what is the standard by which we condemn or forgive or judge? Paul says it easily enough. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. We as baptized Christians, as believers, have been given our eyes opened by the Lord God, by His Word. We've been given His Holy Spirit. We've been given the law of God that we already know is written on our hearts. And in many ways, we can look at one another and we can judge. But it's not in the place of God. It's so that we would win our brother or sister back. Go back to what Paul said Preach the word in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Yeah, we say, we like that. Hellfire and brimstone, pastor. You really said it today. You really laid it out straight. But do so with complete patience and teaching. You ever notice when we get judgy and we condemn people? Patience goes completely out the door. Somebody cuts me off in traffic, guess what? Patience goes completely out the door. Somebody has said or done something against me. Somebody has somehow hurt me or my reputation. Patience flies out the door. And the last thing that I want is to somehow forgive them or win them back to Christ. How do we live this out? Go back to the beginning of this passage. If you want to cut out something from this passage today and hold on to for how we are supposed to live, go back to the very first words of Jesus today. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Be merciful to everyone. Everyone. Absolutely everyone. Notice that Jesus says that today before he even gets into the judging, condemning, and forgiving. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. That is where we begin. But we often just throw that aside. It truly just means to love your neighbor as yourselves. 
Sure, we as Christians can judge things as to what is wrong and right, but the ideas of judging have been flooded by political secularism, which is flooding our American churches all over. We have taken the Christian religion and put it on the kingdom of the left and the kingdom of the right. We have put it into the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. Instead of God being a merciful Father, and that mercy being the standard by which we are to view one another as Christians on the right, Christians on the right have made this a political view to the standard by which we judge. Christians on the left have allowed progressivism to be the standards. Both sides are wrong. Both sides are wrong. Because both sides won't let us believe there is a single objective standard by which we can make all of our judgments and by which we are to view the world around us. That standard, according to Jesus today, is the mercy of God. Think about that. Think about how you stand before God and your sins. Think about the sins that you have done to yourself and by yourself and that you alone know and not anybody else in here knows. Think of how mortified you'd be if your husband or your wife or your kids found out that you have done that certain thing. How even more mortified would you be if your brothers and sisters found out about it here in the church? But nothing is hidden from God. God who loves God who, yes, condemns by His law, but God whose mercy and His love is abounding and steadfast. God who is slow to anger and yet willing always and ready to forgive. The problem with our judgments and our condemning is that they become very damaging. We judge the person and not the actions or the words. All of a sudden, some human being around us that's wronged us or that's doing something wrong, they are living out their life by what they've done rather than our eyes as being somebody who is created in the image of God, ordained and created by God. We categorize people by the sins that they do. That person's a liar, a drunk, a thief, an adulterer, rather than fellow human beings who share with us as being human in this fallen and broken world. We describe folks by what they do or don't do. And yet all the while, we in the church had deceived ourselves with silly little statements like, we are to love the sinner and not the sin. Why is that silly? Because we say that. We rarely say that off of our tongue, and yet we don't follow through with it. Today is not the fact that Jesus is forbidding us from judging. However, what Jesus says before us as well today is that we should always, always take a look at ourselves first. How can we take a little speck of sawdust that is in our brother's or sister's eye when we can't see the redwood log that is hanging out of our own eye? Look at the mirror, Jesus says, before you face anybody else, before you come to any kind of judgment or casting stones. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
He tells us today not to judge or condemn because almost in every case when we do this, my arrogance ruins the process. And we as Christians today can feel a moral superiority, much like the Pharisees that we looked at last week who said, my goodness, this Jesus sits and eats with sinners. We've been taught and molded today in 21st century America to look at around those of us who have differing views, differing lives, and simply to say, I thank God I'm not like them. Jesus says, watch it. That when we judge the person's actions, we don't maybe think that the person is hurting. Maybe they're abused or oppressed. Maybe they're addicted and don't know any better. Maybe they are crying out for help. I think one of the biggest problems that I have seen in almost 19 years of being a pastor is, is that I have taught so many confirmation classes of both youth and adults, and we've always talked about the office of the keys and the gift of private confession and absolution. But I can probably count on both hands the amount of people who've come into my office to make private confession. Luther says we should run 10 miles in order to confess our sins. And yet very rarely do I find people calling me up saying, Pastor, I'd like to meet with you for confession and absolution. It used to be, in the church that I grew up in, and I don't know about here, it used to be that whenever you would go to Holy Communion, you had to announce that you were going to take communion at the church. And what that meant in the church that I grew up in, a rather large church, is that you had to somehow, some way, either call the pastor or make an appointment to meet with the pastor and say, I intend to commune. And that wasn't so that the pastor would sit there and keep his little log book and say, okay, you're good, you're, you're fine. It was so that the pastor could have a conversation with his people. How is life? What are you struggling with? Is there anything I can pray for? And maybe, just maybe, that was an opportunity to confess their sins rather than hold on to them. To confess and let go of the sins and let Christ's forgiveness and peace win the day. It's a shame that we don't do this anymore. At bare minimum, it would actually cause us to focus on ourselves and our sin and not the sins of others. Perhaps it might give us a sense of humility. Perhaps also it would give us an idea of what it might mean to live as a community, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are called to bear with one another in their burdens. St. John Christosom, an early church father, said it this way, you will be judged by God in the same manner by which you judge one another. He says, what then will we say if somebody has committed adultery? Am I not correct in saying that they have committed adultery and that this is a wicked thing in order to correct his conduct? But he also says, do not correct him like an enemy or a foe or out of vengeance, but like a physician with mercy, medicine, and healing. 
In the end, any judging or condemning that doesn't point to the mercy and healing of Christ is nothing more than my pure selfishness and arrogance. If we are to come into judgment with people, if we are to sit down and judge people's sins, then we better be ready to work with that person in mercy and love, the love that is poured out freely for you in Jesus Christ. And if we're not ready to entertain that idea, then we better keep our mouths shut. It's so much easier to cut someone off than to work with them. I get it. To point us, though, this should point us, though, to the realities of why Jesus came. He came to be the one judged and condemned by us. He who knew no sin became our sin. We were the ones who judged him and condemned him into death. He came to his own, but we would have nothing to do with him. He came and was beaten, bloodied, and crucified for all of our sins of arrogance, pride, and judgmentalism. He has taken it all into himself, but as in the end, he states from the cross as he looks to you and to me, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Let that sink in a bit. Those are the words of Jesus to you today. Forgive them. Forgive them in their judgments, their condemnations, because they really don't know what they are doing. He looks at you today, and he does not judge or condemn. He has mercy, as your Father has mercy, and he forgives. He has said that to you today and every day, and those words will always be upon his mouth. And he will strengthen you, and he will guide you by that same love and mercy as you go out from this place as his changed people. He will open up your eyes to the frailty and the fragile nature of our humanity and the broken concept of everybody and everything around us. All of creation is groaning, Paul said today, groaning as we are decaying and dying. And yet in the same sense, he will love in us so that we may love one another. He will show mercy to us so that we may show mercy to one another. He will prepare all of these good works in advance for us to walk in them so that God may be glorified and that many more may come into the kingdom of God, not to be judged or condemned, but to be forgiven, and so that by the forgiveness of sins, they too, like you, would have life and salvation. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.